Good morning. I'm Matt Hoffman in for Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, September 26th. Plans could soon be underway to create a memorial 45 years after a plane crash in San Diego. More on that next, but first, let's get to the headlines. It seems like the price of everything is going up, and that includes the cost of gasoline. If you're out driving around, it's really hard to miss it. Still rising, this week the average cost of a gallon rose to a whopping $6. A year ago, gas prices were about 29 cents lower than now. But last October, on the 5th, San Diego saw its record high, reaching $6.43 a gallon. The city of Chula Vista has broken ground on the first phase of what's being dubbed Universe City. The project includes new office space, the first new city library since 1995, and space for the city's first four-year university. Officials have been trying for years to bring a college to Chula Vista. It's located in the Millennia Master Plan community. The project is partially being funded by the California State Library, and construction is expected to be completed in fall 2025. San Diego County is hitting some high marks for its beer. Maybe no surprise there, but you might want to check out a happy hour after this. Five county breweries won gold medals and 18 medals overall at the 2023 Great American Beer Festival. That's in Denver, and it happened just over the weekend. It's the largest professional brewing competition throughout the U.S., and it's also known as the Oscars of the craft beer industry. The breweries are judged on beer style categories, so the gold medal winning breweries are Ballast Point, Belching Beaver, BNS Brewing and Distilling, East Village Brewing Company, and Taproom Beer Company. Some silver medal winners include Modern Times Beer and Pizza Port. According to the San Diego Brewers Guild, the county has more than 150 craft breweries, so plenty of options. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. It was the worst air disaster in the U.S. at the time. In late September of 1978, a Pacific Southwest Airlines jet and a small Cessna plane collided over North Park. 144 people were killed. Yesterday, reporter John Carroll introduced us to some of the people who've been working for years to establish a proper memorial. Now he reports on what happened when he asked a member of the San Diego City Council about why there still isn't one 45 years later. Why isn't there one here? Why can't the politicians do that? Do I have to do it? They should do it. None of us have a place to grieve. There's no cemetery, there's no headstone that I can say, this is where I can pay my respects. 
The voices of two people with close connections to the PSA crash, Mike Bagnus, who as a 14-year-old sophomore at St. Augustine High School saw the plane coming down in his North Park neighborhood, and Myra Sulit-Polowski, who lost her brother Michael, the last person to board PSA Flight 182 in Sacramento, en route to San Diego. Both Bagnus and Polowski have been working for more than 10 years to get a proper memorial placed near the corner of Dwight and Nile, where the PSA 727 smashed into the ground. I can't believe that 45 years later we still don't have a proper memorial to the people who perished. Councilmember Stephen Whitburn represents District 3, which includes North Park. We've heard how important it is uh, to the family members of those who died that we have a memorial here uh, to honor those who perished uh, in this. Both Pulowski and Bagnus say the neighborhood has shown overwhelming support for placing a memorial here. There are two city-owned pieces of land within a block of the PSA crash site a little piece at the eastern end of Dwight, and a triangle of land a block or so west of the site. Now, Pulowski and Bagnus say the moment has come for the city to move the project forward, to finally, 45 years later, bring the memorial into reality. Whitburn says he agrees. I think it's time for the city of San Diego to step up and do this itself. And so I am now uh, working with city staff uh, to see how we can get a memorial uh, in place as a city and uh, have the city get this done. Pulowski and Bagnus say they've heard that before. So I asked Whitburn what concrete steps he could show he was taking to move the project forward. I have a meeting scheduled for later this week with city staff uh, to begin to put the pieces in place to get a memorial where it belongs to honor the victims of this tragedy. That meeting has now happened, and a representative for Whitburn says the council member conveyed his strong stance on getting the memorial project done. But what about a timeline? How long before family members and others scarred by this tragedy see actual progress? Whitburn says not long. We are going to get a memorial to honor those who died in this tragedy. There's no reason why it should have taken 45 years to get this done, um, and I'm determined that it's not going to take 46. If it finally happens, a proper memorial will give surviving family members and others deeply affected by this tragedy a place to go to pay their respects to the 144 people who died on one of the saddest days in the history of San Diego. John Carroll, KPBS News. Over the last two weeks, groups of migrants have been being dropped off at the Oceanside Transit Station. That's been being done by officials with Customs and Border Protection. The migrants have been getting help from volunteers and even nonprofits. But today, county supervisors are considering a call for a humanitarian crisis. They also could be asking for federal assistance. Reporter Tanya Thorne has the story. Oceanside City Council member Eric Joyce says the county needs to lend some resources. But it's just not sustainable. We really need all local agencies to step in and be a partner. Uh, it's the only way that we keep this from becoming a humanitarian crisis. To that, San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond said, We just don't have those resources and we don't have just extra money laying around. Desmond said with no end in sight, the county can't take on funding something that is the federal government's responsibility. So at Tuesday's board meeting, Desmond and Chairwoman Nora Vargas 
are presenting a humanitarian crisis declaration to send to the federal government. But with a government shutdown looming this week, it might take some time for any resources to arrive. Tanya Thorne, KPBS News. The San Diego County Sheriff's Department is adopting a new strategy to improve their interactions with people with disabilities, blue envelopes. Reporter Katie Heisen has more. One in four Americans have a disability. It can hinder their ability to communicate or comply with law enforcement who may not realize they have a disability. That can have serious consequences. Americans with disabilities, especially Black Americans, are much more likely to be arrested and killed by police. The Sheriff's Department plans to distribute free materials like buttons, lanyards, and seatbelt covers with a blue envelope logo. That logo signals to an officer that the person wearing it needs disability accommodations. County Board Vice Chair Tara Lawson-Reamer, whose daughter is on the autism spectrum, says the program is an important step towards safety. The Blue Envelope program will create greater understanding and shared respect between law enforcement and our neurodivergent neighbors. And it might even help save lives. The Sheriff's Department rolled out additional training to officers and plans to launch the program October 16th. You don't need to register, just obtain the materials from a participating location. They hope to expand the program to all emergency responder agencies in the county. Katie Heisen, KPBS News. San Diego city leaders recently rejected a grand jury's advice to help fix the city's crumbling roads. iNewsource reporter Crystal Niebla explains. In a unanimous vote, the City Council's Transportation Committee decided not to pledge annual funding for road repairs against the advice of the county grand jury. Staff from the mayor's office had urged the committee to leave money in the city budget for other uses instead. But before the vote, City Council President Pro Tem Monica Montgomery Stepp expressed concerns about the growing road repair backlog. I just don't see how we get there without kind of making that type of commitment. We're underwater here. The full city council must approve the decision by mid-November. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource reporter Crystal Niebla. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Coming up, the La Jolla Playhouse is hosting the world premiere of the play Sumo. Our KPBS arts reporter talks to the playwright all about it. I was so entranced by the idea or the feeling of a sport being so powerful and so ferocious and so wild and then also so restrained and so filled with ceremony and honor. We'll have that and more just after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. A new online marketing campaign called Why North County launched earlier this month. North County reporter Alexander Wynn says the campaign aims to attract more businesses to the region. Up and down the 78 corridor and by the coast, businesses are thriving. 
from breweries to tech companies to manufacturing, North County's got it all. Eric Bruvold is the CEO of the San Diego North Economic Development Council. He says the campaign's aim is to bring high-paying jobs to the area. There have been golf manufacturers, GoPro, other active sports and leisure companies who have been able to be located in this area because that they get a better, closer relationship with their customers and with the kind of market that they're trying to serve. Bruvel says the synergy between the workforce, the lifestyle, and the collaborative nature of North County is why companies should consider relocating here. Alexander Wynn, KPPS News. La Jolla Playhouse is hosting the world premiere of Sumo today. It's a play that looks into an elite sumo training facility in Tokyo. Six men practice, live together, and ultimately fight each other there. Arts reporter Beth Akamando speaks with playwright Lisa Sanaye Dring about the beauty, power, and rich tradition of Japanese sumo wrestling. Lisa, you have a play called Sumo. How did you decide that you wanted to write something about sumo wrestling? Well, sumo is amazing. It was around, I'm Japanese American, hafu, and so I had grown up and it was just sort of something that was on sometimes and I sort of followed it and I was like, this is amazing when I watch it and then forgot about it when I didn't watch it. And then I went to Japan and I saw Honbasho, I saw a tournament live and I was so, entranced by the idea or the feeling of a sport being so powerful and so ferocious and so wild and then also so restrained and so filled with ceremony and honor. Like the the amount of tradition that is present in there and the amount of ritual that takes place is so different than any sport I know in America that it really messed with my paradigms. And so then I was like, wow, that's incredible. And I just thought about it for a really long time. And then I, I, I pitched it to McDowell as a residency idea and they picked it up and I was like, well, I guess I'm writing this play now. And I spent a winter really thinking about it and developing it in East West Players Writers Group. So at the core of it too, I felt looking back, I think I was trying to understand men and learn how to love men. and be with these people, men specifically, that I feel like I didn't understand. And now we're here. Now at the rehearsal, there was a lot of focus on the choreography that's going on and about the movement, just just movement without language. So talk about the part that that plays in like communicating a lot of what's going on. I mean, how are you kind of writing these fights or the, the sumo just the physicality of it into your play. I mean, it's one of the cores of the play. So sometimes there's a ton, like a literal ton of power when you like do the math on like two bodies hitting each other like that, that's there. And so that is hopefully what we are portraying to the audience of like how strong these men are. And I'm trying to let that be a language of the piece. And, you know, I can get really interested in heightened language and what like verbal language can do. And I'm hoping that letting the body speak and tell the story is also speaking to what silence and, and corporeal forms can do. So the answer is I'm not quite sure yet because we haven't done it yet. And also I am, I, I think we're all mindful of like the beauty of the form and that being one of the core 
tenets of the, the piece. I also think it's really beautiful because we're doing it really safely. Like we have Chelsea Pace and James Yayagashi working on the fights together. And so having that journey of building that physicality of La Jolla Playhouse says that they are a safe place to make unsafe work. And so how do we do something that is categorically dangerous? Like it, it is, they do it safely in the sport, but it is a lot of power. How do we create that story while also being respectful of the bodies on stage who are doing it? How did it feel being an outsider from this world and trying to get into it? Did you get any pushback from kind of the, the people who were part of the sumo world? Or did they appreciate kind of outside eyes looking in and maybe seeing something different? I think people w were like, what are you up to? And then everyone I know who's read the text is like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing. And I think encountering something with humility and curiosity and respect and asking a lot of questions is useful. And so I'm, I'm trying to do the best we can and keep checking in with the communities involved. I mean, sumo is amazing and it's getting a, a resurgence or a surgence here in America. Like people are interested in it. And so I think people are excited that it's beauty and it's like intensity and its its magnitude is is reaching us and I got to go to one of the rehearsals and see some of the practice that was going on and you had a drummer to kind of set the tone and there was a lot of ritual just to the rehearsal process. So what has that been like actually going through that rehearsal and getting all these actors kind of acclimated to the sumo world? Yeah, I mean in any rehearsal room you enter a new universe. So this is a universe where we bow before we go into the rehearsal room, everybody, and we take our shoes off for, you know, there's a part of the stage we can't wear shoes in because it's where they fight, but also it's very Japanese to take your shoes off when you enter a space. You know, we're a mixed cultural room, and there's a lot of Asian men in the room, and I think that there's this plays about creating a brotherhood of sorts. So seeing how everybody stretches together in the morning. Sometimes I join, but usually they just do it. And seeing what, you know, engaging with those rituals and moving one's body in sequence and, and learning the rules of this, even the language training of like how we pronounce a thing, undergoing that is just part of the way that families are formed, the way we form a culture with one language and I see it in every play, but every play does it very differently. And so it's been really beautiful to see the way we've entered it in this space. That was playwright Lisa Sanaye Dring speaking with KPBS's arts reporter Beth Accomando. Sanaye Dring's play Sumo has its world premiere at La Jolla Playhouse tonight at 7.30. That's going to wrap the podcast today. You can always find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. Join us again tomorrow for the day's top stories. Plus, it's the 100-year anniversary of zoning in San Diego. We'll hear about the current push to create more multifamily zoning. I'm Matt Hoffman. Thanks for listening, and have a great Tuesday. KPBS On Demand is supported by 
the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota. Let's go places.